If you have your Bibles, we're going to start at James 2, starting at verse 14. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of him says to them, Go in peace and be warm and filled, without giving them the things they need for their body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone who will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And then it just talks about um, Abraham and how he offered up his son Isaac to be given to God. And that's in the book of Genesis where it talks about Abraham sacrificing his son to God and bringing him to the altar of the Lord. And it talks about how Abraham had faith that God would even raise his son from the dead because that was the promised son that God gave him. So even in this, I'm going to talk a little bit about faith and the action we have to apply to it and how we see faith active in our life. And I wrote down three points that hinder us from moving in the action of faith. And then I also have one point of how we grow our faith and turn it into action. And actually, I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to talk about that one first on how we begin to walk in the movement of faith. And how we begin to see God open up doors, and then how we walk through them, and then we begin to see the work of God be done in our lives. Faith has to be spoken. You have to begin to speak faith for it to become alive in you. Because even when God begins to deposit stuff in us, you know, we're in a time of prayer and fasting. Everyone's been praying, everyone's been fasting. And a lot of people come at this time of prayer and fasting, and we receive answers from God. But those answers can be useless when the doors open, we get answers from God and never walk through what God had for us. Because a lot of people get, and they begin to pray, they begin to fast, but never go to where God had called them to move. So even in that, our prayer and fasting can sometimes be rendered useless without us applying the action that we need to to begin to see God move. Because God doesn't move until we do. We have to begin to take steps first before God is even going to begin to operate on our behalf. That's what faith is. Going into the unknown, even though we may not know where we are going yet, we are moving because that's what God called us to do. So faith has to be spoken. And it's like what you said, your words carry power, your words carry life. What we speak carry life. So when we speak, we may not even believe it at first, but we have to begin to speak it. And once we begin to hear it, that's when we begin to do it. I wrote something down, and it says, your words have to begin to line up with what God says about your situation and not what everyone else says. What does faith, what does faith does when spoken enough is it begins to transfer from just words to belief, and from belief turns into action. When you begin to speak it, you begin to believe it. You can't speak something enough, and then you not begin to know and believe what you're speaking. If I begin to look in the mirror and call myself something and say, you know, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and I might have a problem with how I look, but if I begin to say that in the mirror, I'm going to think I look good after a enough period of time because that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm going to be looking in the mirror like, hey, you're a handsome guy, and it, it might take time, but the thing is, when you begin to speak it, that's what you begin to believe, and a lot of people speak negative things, so that begins to be the mentality they take on. 
is what everyone else says, and what we hear the most is what is going to be coming out of our mouth. That's the belief we take on. So, what we are believing, we must apply our faith to it. We must speak it out of our mouths before we can ever believe it. And then once we begin to believe it in our hearts, our actions will naturally follow. Once we begin to believe something, we follow that action. If I believe something, I'm naturally going to do it. You know, if I believe I, if I step on the gas in um, my car and it'll go, I'm going to do that. If I believe I hit the brakes, I know it's going to stop. I don't do something I don't believe. When you believe something, you automatically do it. And I wanted to share a story. And I've been in a book. It's uh, called Think and Grow Rich. It's by Napoleon Hill. And uh, did you just buy that? It's a good book, isn't it? Really? It's a hard read. But yeah. But, <laughs> but it tells a story about his uh, son. And this man was not a Christian. This man didn't even believe in God. He, he called it an infinite universe. And Mother Nature, he worded things like that. But his son was actually born without ears. And the doctors told him, there will be no way your son will ever speak or hear anything in his life. And he even doubted the words of the doctor. He said, no, my son will speak in here. Had no faith in God had no trust in what God's word said. He didn't even know the word of God. But he said, no, my son will speak in here. And he said he began to speak that to himself and to his son, to where his son began to believe it for himself. And the thing is, as the kid grew up around seven or eight, he began to believe that. And after a while, his hearing began to get better. And he began to hear. And it, he said it wasn't good. You know, he's not a Christian. And I could even imagine if he was, that the ears were naturally grown. But the thing is, he begins to speak. And his hearing gets a little bit better. And when he becomes an adult, he actually is fixed with the hearing aid and then is able to hear perfectly fine. But the thing is, he said, even when the doctors told me that he could not ever hear or speak in his life, he heard and spoke. He said, it is almost as if nature has to bend at the will of what you speak and what you believe. If an unsaved man can figure out a concept that most Christians don't, imagine what could happen with the power of God backing you. Imagine what could happen when you begin to speak something from the word of God that carries power. Because what does the Bible say? You are seated at the right hand of God, and you have authority over the heavenly realms. If you have the power that God, of God, then why should we expect anything less of what God's word says? And the thing is, a man that's not even saved, that doesn't even believe in God, can figure out a principle. And I told Hailam in the car when we were driving one day. I said, it's like a law, the law of sowing and reaping. You know, it's there. If an unsaved person can figure out something that a, a Christian can't even figure out, it shows you how God set up the world. That what we speak and what we say carries enough power to begin to change the destiny of our own lives. And the thing is, that is so powerful because what we believe in our hearts is where our lives are going to look like. What we put in ourselves, what we believe, in 10 years, 5 years, that's where our lives are going to be. What we put in ourselves, what we believe, that is where our lives are going to be. Faith without works is dead. And when you begin to believe something, your actions naturally follow. Okay, my first point. What can hold us back from the actions of um, from moving into faith? Number one, fear of moving into the unknown. And I want to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy. 
chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 5. And here is a, a book of the Bible where Paul is writing to Timothy and giving him instruction because Timothy was put over a, a church. And it was a fairly large church, and Timothy was very young. And Paul begins to write two letters to him on begin, and just to encourage him. And here it says in um, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, I am reminded of your sincere faith and a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure it dwells in you as well. For this reason, I am reminded you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. You know, and there it talks about how Timothy was given a gift by when Paul laid hands on him. He was, he, and then it says right after, God did not give us a spirit of fear. So it shows us Timothy took that gift and did not utilize it yet. Because Paul's writing to him saying, God did not give you a spirit of fear. You need to begin to stir up that gift I gave you. So Timothy was almost scared to begin to operate in a calling God had placed on him. He was almost frightened and he never moved into the place where God had for him. And that's when Paul says, begin to stir up that gift. Set fear aside, because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Fear began to hold Timothy back, and that's when Paul began to write to him and say, fear is not to hold you back, but you are to operate under what God calls you. So fear of the unknown. Fear can keep us back in a place where we never move forward. Just like how, it, I mean, Timothy was a great man of God, but it kept him in a place where he was not able to move forward because he feared something. And we don't know what that is, but he feared and it could have been intimidation by the elders of the church. It could have been a multitude of things. But he began to fear, and he never walked in that gift. And I'm pretty sure after that, he began to stir that up. But we have to begin to stir up the gift that God gave us. We have to begin to drop fear, because fear will hold us back into a position where we never go after what God has called for us. You know, and as we are praying and fasting, God and praying for doors to open. I believe God opens doors for us, but the thing is, we have to be willing to walk through them, because a lot of people never take the steps, never walk through them, or wait until everything looks fine, and we're financially stable, or these things open up, until we get A, B, and C right, that door, that door, they just expect it to remain open, but the thing is, when God opens a door, he is saying, by faith, walk through that door, take the action and walk through it, it may look uh, hard right now. It may not look like the easiest walk, but watch what I will do when you do it. Because if I opened it, no man can shut it. If I opened it, it doesn't matter what is going on. You are going to do what I called you to do. But fear can hold us back from the point of never moving forward. If we contain fear, and if we put fear in our lives, then we never move forward. And that's when we have to begin to speak what God lays on our hearts. And I would encourage you to do this. Even with the words that God speaks to you during your prayer and fasting, write them down, speak them daily. Begin to get it in you so when that door comes open, you will be able to walk through with a breeze. Because you already have that face stirred up to do it. And that's what I've been praying in my own life. You know, God, Lord, I, I thank you for what you've called me to do. And I thank you, Lord, that when these doors open up, I will have the faith to walk through them. That there will be no doubt in my mind because I know you have called me to this. So I will walk through the door you've called me to open. Fear can hold us back our entire lives, and you see it. 
Because you see people that are called into ministry or called to be a pastor, and they've never moved from the same spot 10, 20, or 30 years. They keep saying the same thing. You know, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to do this. Well, my guess is God already moved on. If it's been 10, 20 years and you've never walked in what God called you to do, my guess is the door's shut. When God opens a door, we have to take the faith to walk through it immediately. We don't wait. We don't hesitate because if God opens up something for you, it doesn't matter what the situation looks like. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the bank account says. It doesn't matter what my mind says. If God opened it, it's going to happen in Jesus' name. Number one, fear of moving into the unknown. Two, and this is a pretty common one in today's time. It's called laziness. And I'm going to turn to Proverbs, starting at chapter 6. And it says, starting 6, 6, starting at verse 6, it says, Go to the ant, O you sluggard. Consider his, her ways and be wise. Without having a chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber and a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. It talks about the ant, and it says, and the thing that really caught my attention is it said without a chief or a ruler, without someone directing it, it did it on its own. The ant never needed instructions from anyone else. It automatically did it on its own. And you know, that's the thing. We may work a 40-hour work week, we may already have someone that is over us and directing us, but what are we doing for ourselves that is going to push us to the next level? Because all of us work. All of us usually have a 40-hour work week, but it's with that extra time that we begin to say, I'm pushing forward to the next level. You know, even now, God has placed something in my spirit that I, I'm doing in my spare time. Something that, you know, I never thought I would be doing, and I was sitting in my office there. I was actually wanting to approach my boss with something, and... Ask if, I, ask if I could do a seminar, but as I began to write something out, I really felt pressed. God wanted me to write a book. And, you know, as I take that steps, I do that on my own time. But the thing is, I have to begin to set aside other things to begin to accomplish that. Because I can say that, but if I never do it, it'll never get done. Laziness, it can keep me. A little sleep and a little slumber and a little folding of the hands. You know, I have time to watch this TV show. I have time to do this and also do this. But the thing is, if God's placed something on you, the more we stay stagnant, the more we stay still and say, you know, I have time to do that. I have time to get there. You know, I'm just going to take it easy for a little bit. I deserve it. Then that's when we get to see doors close. You know, we may not even be afraid of the situation, but just saying, I'm going to rest a little bit. God will empower you to continue your walk. You know, I never thought I'd be writing a book, but if God's placed it on my spirit, I already am empowered to do it. God has already given me the power to do what I am called to do. If he's placed something in me, it doesn't matter what I might have thought. He's given me the power to do it, and he will give me the grace to do it. You know, it may be something that I look like, wow, that's going to be really boring and really hard because I've never done something like this before. But if God has placed it on me, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to accomplish it, and I'm going to accomplish it very quickly through the power of God. Because 
I can't stand still. I can't be lazy. And I've got to begin to take my own time aside. And that's the thing. God will never force us to do something. Because it says without ruler or officer or chief, the ant did it. God's not going to force us to do something. God's never going to make us do something. He's like, now, I told you to do this. I expect you to. No. That time will come when we enter heaven, though, that we will give an account. But right now, we control our own destiny. We control what we get done. And when we begin to stay back and say, I, I don't know, I'm just going to chill a little bit, we begin to see just things come upon us. And, you know, busyness of life, you know, things that we never thought would happen, when we just begin to sit back and watch the world take us, we never get anything done. But when we begin to say, you know, I'm going to give my efforts to something that you placed in my spirit, God will take you and he'll like excel you in that. Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians 5. Five fifteen. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord is, or what the Lord, what the will of the Lord is. I'm going to read that one more time. Seventeen. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It says, make use of our time because the days are evil. We're running out of time. And it says, when we keep ourselves busy in the Lord, you will know the will of God. You will know what God has called you to when you begin to place yourself in a point of knowing what God has for you and taking the steps he's called you to make. When you begin to say, you know, I want the will of God over my life and say, I'm going to walk towards that. It doesn't matter how my natural body feels. That's when God will show you his will. He'll begin to place you with more responsibility. He'll begin to place you with a higher calling. It's when we begin to say, God, I'm going to move in what you've called me to move in. It doesn't matter how my body feels. You will give me the strength to do it. You know, and that's something that has plagued our generation is laziness and not feeling like it. And our body is not wanting to. You know, everything now is based off of emotion or how we feel about a situation. And it didn't used to be like that. It used to be like, well, you work and you work hard. And then you come home and you rest and then you go back and do it the next day. But the thing is, this generation has lost its work ethic. It's lost a purpose. And the thing is, it's not hard to get to the top now because no one wants to be able to work for that. You can, very, <laughs> you can very easily make it to a higher spot. You know, I've been promoted in the workplace. I haven't even been there for, well, it was about eight months now. But around the six-month time period, I began to, you know, work hard, and I got a promotion. And the thing is, I looked at my boss's report on me, you know, and she gave me a five-star rating and said he exceeds every expectation that I, we've placed. When you begin to exceed and everything you touch, God will naturally bless you. And then the people that are over you in your workplace will bless you because you exceed the expectations that they have set. That's the thing. When you work hard and you be diligent with your time, you're going to begin to see God bless that. When we begin to say, God, I'm going to be diligent with my time, that's when we see the blessing of God. Because the Bible says, when we work hard, we will know the will of God. When we put our hands to work, we will know the will of God. 
when we begin to say, God, I'm doing this for you, I'm taking my valued time that I could be spending watching TV. I could be spending just doing this. I'm placing it and saying, I'm giving it to you. I'm working for what you have placed on me. And that's when we see God bless us. Number three, we get burnt out. And I want you to turn to Galatians. We get burnout. Number three. You know, sometimes we can be pushing for the goal that God has set on us, and then our bodies begin to naturally tire. But the word of God says those who wait upon the Lord will find new strength. So if you are doing the work of the Lord, and you are relying on him, your body is meant to carry on until God says, all right, you've completed what I've said you needed to complete. The doors that God opens for you, he will naturally give you the strength when you begin to do what God says. And the thing is, when people begin to get hired, it's when they begin to do it on their own and they don't rely on that. People get burnt out when they say, you know, I've been pushing, I've been doing this for the cause of God. But the thing is, when you begin to say, when you begin to take your reliance off of God, now you're doing it for yourself. You always have to go back to a point. God, fill me up. Fill my spirit. God. Use me. And you have to always keep your eyes on what God called you to do. Because when you do that, he will always give you a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's why this time in fasting and prayer is important. You are building your spirit man up so you can run the race God's called you to run. But the thing is, if we just give God it and we run and then never fill our spirit man back up after that point, we will get burned out. God will place a vision on you. But the thing is, we must constantly be filling our spirit man up. We always have to be filling the man inside of us that is giving us the power to do the race. Galatians. Chapter 6, starting at verse 9. And it says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. In some verses it says, well doing. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of our faith. In due time, we will reap a harvest. A lot of men, and I'm not just talking about Christian men, but a lot of people experienced the harsh failures right before they made breakthrough. Thomas Edison, 10,000 times he tried to create the light bulb. Someone began to ask him, when are you going to stop? He said, whenever I finish it. Um, Henry Ford created the first V8 engine. He actually created the first motor vehicle, too. But, you know, I was reading a story, and he, he told his mechanics, I want a V8 engine inside of our uh, model car. They said, that's impossible. You can't fit a V8 engine. It's too big for a car. He said, I don't care. I want it in a car. He said, they worked on it for a year. Nothing ever came of it. They never figured it out. So he came to him and said, did you figure it out? They said, no. He said, okay, just keep working on it. And eventually, he created the very first V8 engine that would fit inside a motorized vehicle. But it didn't look that way. It may not look like you're going to see a reward. But the thing is, the Bible says, in due time, you will reap a harvest great enough that you will not have room to take it in. If God has given you a harvest, then you've got to keep walking the walk. You can't say, you know, and that's where people mess up. They say, I'll try. 
I'll try this. But the thing is, if you do not put all of your faith and all of your being into what God has placed inside of you, you'll never make it because you're just trying something out. And um, Kenneth Hagin talks about that he, in uh, The Believer's Authority. He talks about how someone came up to him and said, you know, I think I'll try that. And he said, well, it won't work for you. You can't just try this. You have to begin to believe it. You have to begin to apply it. And it has to be something that's rooted in your heart. Because unless you have the urge to keep moving forward, unless it's in you, it'll never work for you. You can't just try something and expect it to work. You have to commit yourself to the Word of God. You have to commit yourself to what God has placed in you for it to work. Because if you try it, you'll give up. If you just try something, you know, I've been trying to do a diet for a while now, and it hasn't worked out. I've been trying, though. If I commit myself to doing it, it's naturally going to get done because I don't steer my mind off of something. But as long as I keep saying I'm going to try this or I'm going to try that, that's people mess things up. They say, I'm going to try this. Well, if you try it, it won't work out for you because it's hard. Things may not always be easy. The walk may not always be the uh, smooth, paved road. We have to begin to walk something out and say, I'm going here, no matter what my situation looks like, no matter how long this takes me, because I know when I finish this, I will reap a harvest. I know what God has placed on me. He has not called me to do this in vain. He has called me for this purpose, because I will reap a harvest at the end of it. God has not called you to a vain work. He has not called you to something to watch you fail. He's called you to something to watch you succeed and for your greater glory. But you have to be willing to walk it. And sometimes I believe God just waits to see how long are we going to be able to push this out before we say, I'm done. Because a lot of people and a lot of great ministers have stories of where they pushed for years and years before they ever saw a breakthrough. David Oyodepo, he had a church of 50,000 people. And he told his wife, his, he was fasting and praying to the point where his kidneys shut down. And he already had a church of 50,000. And his wife said, you need to stop. He said, I would rather die than stay at this level. I would rather die and go to heaven than stay at this level. And now he has the largest church in the world. The thing is, when you begin to press in and say, God, I want more of you, that's when you're going to begin to see a greater move of God. Because God wants to know how serious you are about him. God wants to know how serious you are going to be to walk the race he's called you to do. Because if you just try it, it'll never work. And that's when we get burnt out. Because if I just try something, I do get burnt out. If I just try a diet, it only lasts three days. But if I commit myself to doing something, it's naturally going to get done. Because I've committed myself. Make it a part of your belief system. And from what I've like, learned and studied a little bit, these are the greatest three reasons why people never complete their mission. These are the three greatest things that hold people back all of their lives and why they can live an entire life never moving forward because of these three reasons that will hold people back. And I think fear might be the greatest because you can work hard and you can run a race, but if you have fear, your feet will always stumble. If you always have fear of the unknown, it will hold you back till the day you die. If you always have fear of what is to come, then there will be no, nothing you can do. You will stay at that nine to five job, you will stay at the same level till the day you die, because that's all you can believe for. Fear will hold people back, but when we begin to say, God, I believe what your word says, we begin to see it come to pass. We have to believe it in our hearts. The word of God has to be real in our hearts. And it's something we can't forget. 
Read your word. Know what the word of God says and speak it to yourself. In your own time, the visions you get from God, write them down, speak it out, grow your faith. So when that time comes, when the door opens and when the challenges come, it's already in you enough to walk through the door where you never have to worry about a thing. You never have to worry about what may come. That may shipwreck your faith. Because if you have it built in you, you know, you're going to succeed. You're going to succeed. Believe it in your heart. I don't have anything else, so I'm going to go ahead and close. Lord, I thank you for every person in here. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of faith coming upon each person here. And as they begin to walk out their vision of um, what you've placed inside of each and every person here, I thank you, God, that they will begin to believe it in their hearts, that they will grow their faith to that position and to a new level. And when the time comes and when you open up the doors, they will naturally walk through it because that's something you've placed inside of them and something they've grown. I thank you for the gift of faith. I thank you, Lord, for the greatest weapon you've given the believer, which is faith. And I thank you, God, that when we begin to apply it in our lives, we will see the miraculous happen. We will see supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles that will follow us. And I thank you, God, for the work you've placed in each and every inside us. And I thank you, God, that we are going to begin to walk in the abundance and prosperity of God because of the faith that we have to walk in that. Thank you, Lord, that we will miss no opportunity. We will miss no door. We will miss no, nothing that you have for us because we will operate at a level of faith to do what you've called us to do. No matter the circumstance, no matter the problem, we will walk through it because that's where you've called us to be because that's where you've placed us to be. And I thank you, God, that there will be nothing that will hold us back from walking the destiny you've called us to walk. No fear. No, no anything, no plot of the devil that comes against us. I thank you, God, that we will carry our shield of faith to block every fiery arrow of the devil that comes against us, to stop it, and to see your word move in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that the faith that you have given us to for something will begin to be in our heart. It will begin to be poured out upon us. And I thank you, Lord, that that is what will come out in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for every person here. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of faith, and I thank you, God, that the word of God will begin to come out of each and every person here. And, Lord, it's not going to be just something in our mind, but it'll come from our hearts, that the word of God will be a belief system and something we'll never forget and never allow us to forget. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.